Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo. Serving you a generous helping of everything you need to know to help you and your loved ones stay safe during any doctor or hospital visit. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little-known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well-being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? Well, today I'm going to focus on something near and dear to my heart, and that is cats. As you may know, I have 13 of them. Now, before you think I'm some kind of a nut, they found me, and I am so happy they did. I also have a cage-free boarding facility where I personally care for cats whose caretakers may be going on vacation, have medical problems, and have to be in the hospital or rehab for a while. So on occasion, I care for more than 13 cats. And if you are interested in that, you can find out more at the website catsinonthechagrin.com. That's cats in, I-N-N, like a hotel in. Cats in on the chagrin.com as the Chagrin River, C H A G R I N. Cats in on the chagrin.com. And I also host a radio show devoted to cats, and that's at 11catsradio.com, all spelled out. 11catsradio.com. Check it out when you have a moment. So, with this many cats and my passion for advocacy and health, it just makes sense that I spend quite a lot of time researching cats their behavior, diet, ailments, and so on. And just as with humans, if cats are not fed a proper diet, they get sick. And thanks to the pet food industry and our government's supposed regulatory departments, this is exactly what happens. Now, before you say, meh, not interested in cats, the three back-to-back segments I'm sharing with you today may be about cats and cat food, But dig deeper, think deeper, and you'll see that what big pet and big government does to our pets, they also do to us. Brainwashing, money-focused, it's all the same. Same string, different banjo. Advertising seems to do the trick, as most human caretakers buy the brand of cat food they see most often on television and other media ads. Quick, easy, relatively cheap, and heck, it's just a cat. And they wouldn't sell it if it wasn't good for my cat, right? Well, as you could tell, I could go on and on, but I won't. So right now I'm sharing three separate 11 Cats radio segments back to back. So sit back, pet your cat, if you have one, and enjoy. Welcome to 11 Cats Radio, an 11-minute single-topic show with questions generated by, who else? Cats. Have you ever wondered how a cat's perception of the world might differ from your own? Well, put your cat glasses on and find out what cats want you to know as we explore their world through their eyes. 
I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, a healthcare and patient advocate for people and an advocate, not only for my own cats, but for you and yours and for cats everywhere. Enjoy the next few minutes with us where we believe that a cat is not just a cat. Pet food is a $12 billion industry in the United States with exports adding another $1 billion. And what's interesting is that despite multiple layers of authority, the pet food industry has enjoyed relatively little regulation. Go figure. You and I can pick and choose what we eat. We can make informed or uninformed decisions about what we pop into our mouths. Our pets cannot. They rely on us. They eat what we serve. They have no choice and no voice. And that is a frightening combination. I'd hate to have no choice and no voice. Wouldn't you? Well, to provide an overview here, what's most important to know is that the bulk of the ingredients used in most commercial pet foods come from places called rendering plants. Rendering plants, they're facilities that process leftover waste products, a number of which are quite unspeakable. Here's a partial list of items that are routinely sent to and processed by rendering plants. Slaughterhouse waste, including most of all portions of animals that are not considered fit for human consumption, diseased, disabled, dying, or dead livestock deemed unfit for human consumption. Those are called the 4D animals, diseased, disabled, dying, or dead. Expired meats from grocery stores, including their plastic and styrofoam packaging. Rancid overcooked oils drained from fryolators and filthy grease from grease traps from fast food and other restaurants. The bodies of domestic cats and dogs that have been euthanized, some right along with flea and tick collars still attached around their necks. Rendering plants take those items and throw them all into a giant auger to pulverize them. And the resulting soup is cooked at extremely high temperatures, in part to kill off the uh, harmful bacteria, the pathogens, and other parasites that may be lingering on the dead, rotting flesh. However, this high heat also destroys much of whatever nutritional value the stuff might have ever had to begin with. And what's left is made into various products that are known by the terms we're used to seeing on pet food ingredient lists. As surprising as this might be, this is all perfectly legal and common practice in the pet food and pet treat industry. Cats inherently thrive on a raw diet. It's obviously a bit more challenging for us as the human pet owner to satisfy this need. It's infinitely much easier to snap open a can or tear open a bag. But ultimately, a raw diet is what nature intended. And to prove how the FDA is so tied to the pet food industry, Here's what they say on the FDA website, quote, because raw pet food is more likely than other types of pet food to contain salmonella and listeria, the single best thing you can do to prevent infection is to not feed your pet a raw diet, unquote. Then they go on to offer suggestions about safe food handling. The FDA says it does not believe feeding raw pet foods to animals is consistent with the goal of protecting the public from significant health risks. Feeding raw foods to pets increases the risk that both the pet and the people around the pet will encounter bacteria that cause foodborne illness, particularly if the products are not carefully handled. Oh, 
Oh, hello. We can get salmonella when we make hamburger for ourselves if we don't wash our hands or contaminate cutting boards. I mean, meat is meat. Doesn't matter who's eating it. That's like saying, let's never eat at a restaurant because we might cross-contaminate. So why would they come out to clearly advocate to not feed your pet what they inherently need and blame potential cross-contamination or food poisoning? Follow the money. The pet food industry does not make a dime if you go to your butcher to buy meat for your dog or cat. The FDA warns about raw foods, but condones filthy, nasty, rendered fat from euthanized animals and garbage unfit for any living creature? Seriously? The pet food supply industry is as corrupt as everything else these days. If you have a pet or know a pet owner, share today's message. Before you happily purchase the cheapest or even the most expensive can or bag of pet food, do your research. Read the ingredients. Consider the advantages of a raw diet. Remember, the industry is not looking out for you or your pet. They are concerned with their back pocket, their wallet, their bank account. Your pet has no choice and no voice, but you do. Return the gift that your pet silently bestows upon you. Connect the dots, choose wisely, and speak up for those who cannot. So right now, I want to share just the beginnings of what you should know about feeding your cat. There is a lot of confusion around how often a domesticated cat should be fed. Most cats are either fed free, free feeding means the food is just left out all the time, or fed only once or twice a day, a convenience to the owner, both of which is the driving factor here. But is this good for the cats? Feral cats eat about 8 to 12 meals in any given 24-hour period. Their behavior is geared toward small, frequent meals, and they spend a great deal of their time actively hunting. Smelling food triggers a cat's digestive system to begin working and constantly smelling food as they do when freely fed and the food is left out all the time. This keeps that system primed and ready to go all day. In addition, a carnivore's digestive physiology has incorporated hunger as an integral part of its healthy workings. Indigestible solids are retained in the stomach until digestion of other food products is complete, and it is, in fact, hunger pangs which propel this material forth. If the cat is never allowed to become hungry, the regulation of waste movement is compromised, leading to discomfort, hairball regurgitation, and other digestive motility issues. So clearly then, free feeding is not a healthy practice. And this does not even touch upon the lack of quality content in the kibble products, kibble meaning dry food, so readily available to these cats, or the many links between the content and today's leading feline disease and premature deaths. Now on the other end of the spectrum, the cat's stomach can't expand like the dog's to accommodate large meals, and cats can, and often do, regurgitate if fed too much at one time as might happen with a cat who is only fed once or twice daily. And eating too fast, which cats tend to do when they are very hungry, can also cause discomfort and regurgitation of the meal. We've often heard of scarf and barf. Well, there you go. Also, if the cat becomes hungry, bile acids in the stomach increase in anticipation of a meal. 
If this goes on for too long or becomes concentrated enough, the cat is likely to become nauseous, provoking what many have termed hunger pukes, typically of a clear or foamy consistency. Now, what is too long? Well, that can vary with the cat, but can, it can be as short as five or six hours without food. And unfortunately for some cats, this puking can start a spiral of discomfort that will throw a cat off food indefinitely. So there's many reasons to be thinking about how and what you feed your cat. And in all of these cases, even when the cat doesn't become actively sick, he or she is probably not feeling quite as comfortable as they should. Now, as Dr. Lisa Pearson notes on her site, catinfo.org, the frequency of a cat's meal impacts the pH of her urine that can then lead to the formation of painful and potentially deadly struvite crystals. So eating smaller, more frequent meals, mimicking their instinctive hunting behavior, naturally helps maintain a cat's pH in the normal range, which is about six or six and a half. More frequent meals had a positive impact on feline activity, making weight loss and maintenance easier. And that's an important fact given the 90% increase in feline obesity cases over the last five years. So obviously then feeding only once or twice a day is not a good idea. So how often should a cat be fed? Well, the answer is a minimum of three times a day for adults, four if you can manage it, and at least four times a day or more for kittens. Three times a day is easy to do if you feed shortly after you get up in the morning, immediately after you get home from work, and then the last thing before you go to bed at night. Now, if your schedule doesn't allow this, you might want to pay someone to come by during the day or purchase many of the timed feeders available on the market today, several of which are capable of disseminating canned or raw foods. You just don't want to feed kibble. Problem with raw is that if it sits out all day, then it becomes tainted. So something you need to think about and plan for. Now, this is a side note and an important one. Animal protein not the quantity of food, is the trigger that tells your cat he or she is full. Now that is a hugely important statement. I'm going to say it again. Animal protein, not food quantity, is the trigger that tells your cat that he or she is full. So what this means is that until your cat ingests an adequate amount of recognizable animal protein, they will continue to feel hungry and given the opportunity, will consume far more food than would otherwise be necessary. So it's simple to see that a quality animal protein will solve this problem, not more kibble. And while I'm emphasizing certain points, hear this one. Although cats can use some carbs for metabolic energy, their ability to swap protein utilization for carbs is so severely limited that they will cannibalize the protein in their own muscles to meet their basic daily needs. If their diet does not contain enough, they will cannibalize their own protein in their muscles to meet their daily needs. How sad is that? Now here's an important point as well. Never fast a cat. If your cat doesn't eat, don't just say, sorry, not eating, okay? Unlike dogs, whose hunting behavior includes gorging and fasting, fasting is an unhealthy practice that is unnatural to cats. 
At a minimum, it will cause a seriously hungry and uncomfortable cat, and at worst, it can provoke a case of hepatic lipidosis. It's one of the most common feline liver diseases, or fatty liver disease, and can rapidly lead to serious complications and even death, especially or even in cats that are overweight. So feeding at least three scheduled low or no carb canned or raw meals a day will go a long way toward keeping your cat's digestive system healthy, strong, and working at peak efficiency. And should you choose to go raw, which I hope you do, remember, raw food is not at all like canned food. Raw food is minimally processed, and it must be thought of as you would if you were transitioning yourself as an adult human from never having eaten any fresh fruit or salad to a diet that is only fresh fruit or salad. Your body will most likely freak out if you switch it all at once. You must give your GI system time to adjust. Imagine if you are a vegan and all of a sudden you eat at an all-you-can-eat barbecue. How would you feel? Yes, you'd probably feel like you ate a brick and most likely quite sick. Well, it's same for our little kitties. If you transition them too quickly, you simply have to expect problems, which is why a slow, controlled transition makes sense. So there you have it, a little thought-provoking segment today on feeding your cats. And uh, I will keep you posted on my progress as well with our transition to 100% homemade raw. Well, I got to go. Got to grind some chicken. Today, I am talking about cats and kibble. Kibble is any dry food aside from dehydrated food. You know, it's crunchy, it's in a bag or a box, and it's ready to serve. And most cats love it. But before I chew on that, let's look at the origin of a cat so we can understand why kibble is not cat-appropriate and especially not kitten-appropriate. Cats are originally from the desert regions of Egypt and have a highly specialized water scavenging metabolism that allowed them to survive on the moisture naturally found in their prey. And unlike dogs, who are more omnivorous, meaning they can live on a variety of foods, cats are what is called obligate carnivores. Now you hear that all the time when people talk about cats, but what does it really mean to you as the pet caretaker? An obligate carnivore. Well, obligate means by necessity. The dictionary definition is restricted to one particularly characteristic mode of life, biologically essential for survival. So combining the word obligate with carnivore is pretty clear. Cats must eat meat. It is an absolute biological necessity. That's right. Go check your bag of dry cat food right now. What is the first ingredient? Cracked corn, rice, soybean meal, what? No meat? Unfortunately, you are most likely feeding an obligate carnivore corn. Have you seen any kind of a cat in the wild tackle a corn stalk? And worse, how sad is it that these big pet food companies promote this nonsense to unsuspecting customers? Cats must have water in their food. For example, in a natural setting, a mouse is about 65 to 75 percent moisture. They compensate for this reduced water intake by concentrating their urine. 
You should know that if you've ever cleaned a litter box. Now, when fed a dry food diet, which has less than, say, 10% moisture, and unless they drink a lot of water, which most cats do not, cats are in a constant state of dehydration. Now, how does this compare to a cat who is fed canned food? The cat eating dry kibble consumes approximately half the amount of water compared with a cat eating canned foods. Now, if you want to prove to yourself that a cat is meant to eat raw meat and not dry kibble, it's simple. Look in your cat's mouth. The teeth tell all. You'll see carnivore teeth and a carnivore mouth. Go ahead, look at the teeth structure. Sharp, pointed canine teeth, great for tearing flesh. The molars are knives. They're not grinders like ours. They're not flat and meant to chew like ours are. And the tongue is barbed. Ever had your cat lick you? You'll understand what it feels like. They're covered with extra tough epithelial cells made for licking the meat off of prey. So hardly a cereal eater, right? And the myth that dry food cleans their teeth is simply that, a myth. Cats don't have molars to grind the food, so they typically swallow it whole, or at best, shatter the kibble. Nothing to clean, folks. So what happens when you feed your cat dry food? You've taken away the usual instinctive diet of prey, which is 80 to 90% moisture by weight, and you give a food that is about 10% moisture. And because your cat is not well adapted to drinking, but is now thirsty, he or she tries their best, but never gets enough and becomes chronically dehydrated. Now you couple that with the fact that most people only offer one bowl of water in the house. So the cat must actively seek out the water bowl when it realizes it's thirsty. Well, fat chance of that. And then you add another layer of dirty or old water, slimy bowls loaded with biofilm. And sadly, most cats are thirsty. That's another reason why it's imperative to offer at least two bowls of fresh, clean water in different locations of your home. And the words, fresh and clean, take a moment every morning to scrub out the bowls and fill it with clean water. It's only fair. Now the next problem with kibble, it's sweet. First understand that kibble is kibble is kibble, no matter how natural or organic or grain-free the label may claim that it is. And kibble takes something to make it stick together. How to get it to stick and hold that cute little shape after it's shot from cannons like puffed rice and heated beyond life? Starch, that's what makes things sticky. That's most often grain, frequently corn because it's cheap and plentiful and most likely genetically modified. Now, as the grain-free fad has swept the food world and manufacturers fall all over themselves to capture that market, you'll see other starchy ingredients instead. Maybe not a grain, but you will see tapioca, potato, peas, sweet potato. So get this, grain-free does not mean carbohydrate-free. The manufacturers of the grain-free products simply switch out the grains for non-grain carbohydrate sources. So again, take a look at that ingredient list on your bag and I guarantee you will see potato, sweet potato, tapioca, or other non-grain carbohydrates if you've given a thought already to select a non-grain product. Now, sorry, but all of this does involve some label reading. So you're gonna have to put your cat glasses on because I'm sure the print is tinier than a tick. Now let's think back to the wild. 
a mouse, a bird. How much carbohydrate would your cat get in eating a mouse or a bird? Very little, if any. So what to do if you are currently feeding kibble to your cat? Transition off that dry food as soon as possible. Start adding canned food little by little. You can purchase frozen raw food. We buy lots of that around here. You can get dehydrated raw nuggets and reconstitute with water. You can make your own or at the very least add some raw meat to the mix. I suggest that you go online and research raw diets and cats and, find, and you'll find lots of good information. But my point today is this, please don't rely on the pet food manufacturers when it comes to caring for your cat in a way that is appropriate for them. Think obligate carnivore and I'm sure you will never look at a bag of corn and grains masquerading as suitable food for your cat ever again. Or at least for their sake, I hope you don't. Well, what do you think? Pretty scary and sad stuff. As I've said before, our pets have no voice, and they have no choice. But we do. And now that you know what goes on and why feeding a species-appropriate diet is the only thing you should consider for your cats, even though Big Pet and the FDA would have you think otherwise. So please share this episode with other cat and pet owners. And for more information, visit the website 11catsradio.com. And now I'm done. I have a whole lot of cats just waiting for me. So I will see you next week. Same time, same place, but never the same information. Until then, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week reading the fine print on bags and cans of cat food. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice. Hi there, I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, the host of Mrs. Green's World, and I would really love for you to become a part of that world. We talk about things like the faceless villain of climate change, our compromised food supply, and about how to become a conscious consumer. But it's not all bad news. We educate, we inspire, we engage. We always leave you with some small steps you can take to make a difference for this great planet of ours and help you live the healthy life you deserve. Please visit MrsGreensWorld.com to learn more and become a part of our world.